You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezrus Hashem, we're going to be continuing with our series of shirim on the Indian of Shabbos. And tonight is going to be the last shir in the first chilek of the shirim that we're going to be giving. Because what we started off with was discussing the concept of Erev Shabbos. And tonight is going to be the culmination of the shirim on Erev Shabbos, which are going to bring us, Be'ezrus Hashem, next week into the world of Shabbos. And then after three shirim on the world of Shabbos, we're going to enter into the space of Motzei Shabbos to give us a full picture of the beginning, the middle, and the end of the time functions that create the shape of Shabbos as we know it. Now, what we've discussed thus far when it comes to the Nakuda of Erev Shabbos is first and foremost that Erev Shabbos is where the week comes to die. And when the week begins to die in all impurity and all confusion and all doubt and all shtus and all foolishness, which is associated with the shtusa of the sheishes yimeberishis, of the six days of mundanity and profane existence. When darkness recognizes that its time is short, it attempts to redouble its strength, redouble its efforts in the hopes of blocking entry into holiness. And that is why we understood from the names of our tzaddikim and our svarim hakadoshim that Erev Shabbos is a time of bilbul and bahala, not as a symptom, but rather as the very constitutive element of that day that Erev Shabbos, the halacha is, that it is a day of confusion to the extent that even when a person damages something, they're putter because the nature of Erev Shabbos is such that it is part and parcel of the day that chaos ensues. Last week's year, we discussed the next stage of Erev Shabbos, when we're able to be mitgaber and overcome that confusion and the bilbul, we enter into the recognition that Erev Shabbos is a day of irbuvya, from the Lashon of Erev, which is an admixture and a combination, which is symptomatic of the experience of Adam Arishon on Erev Shabbos, which was the experience of the Eis Hadas Tovara. And that the experience on Erev Shabbos is re-entering back into that place of Gan Eden. But before we can properly re-enter back into that space of Gan Eden, through that Nahar Hayoitse Eden, into the world of Shabbos, which is 160th of Elam Haba, of Me'ein Elam Haba, we need to first and foremost encounter the laha tacherf and mesapechas, those rotating fiery swords of doubt and suffix as to what we need to do now. And that we described was the experience of the klipas noga, that intermediary level that stands between and nested between holiness and non-holiness, between purity and impurity, which the work of Erev Shabbos is clarifying that through the different actions that we participate in, pushing down impurity and elevating purity so that we can properly enter into the space of Shabbos itself.
Tonight, what we're going to be speaking about is really the crowning jewel of Erev Shabbos. And it's the point where Erev Shabbos and Shabbos kiss, where the two opposites, the two most fundamental forms of contradictions, holiness and profanity, kedusha and chol, darkness and light. Erev Shabbos, based on what we're going to be discussing tonight, is going to be the meeting point between the two of those. And as we've discussed so often, when it comes to kedusha, very often we encounter the concept of contradiction, where we have two opposites which stand in stark distinction from one another. And according to the typical model of synthesis that we're so used to understanding, the concept is that holiness and whole give birth to some third concept where both of them are equalized or where each one gives us itself so that there's room for the other almost as if the contradiction between Kedusha and Chol remains in its place, yet we sacrifice the nature of Kedusha for the place of Chol and the nature of Chol for the place of Kedusha. That's the typical broken way of understanding how these contradictory elements operate. But what we're going to see tonight, which rests at the very core of what Panimia Satora is coming to say, as is clear in the Zayar HaKadosh and in the writings of the Arizal and the Rashash and the four Naharos that came to understand the writings of the Arizal, of the Rashash and the Ramchal and the Vilnagon and the Balshem Tov HaKadosh, down to our generation with the different Sadikim, in particular of Yitzhak Meyer Morgenstern Shlita, we can understand that when we come across or when we encounter two contradictory elements, of the Chol and Shabbos, it's not enough to cut off part of Chol and cut off part of Shabbos so that we can make some union between the two remaining parts, but rather the Raza de Nusa, the secret of Jewish faith, is that both elements of Kedusha and Chol, of darkness and light, are able to coexist in a way that their paradoxical nature gives life to one another so that Kedusha gives birth to Chol, and Chol gives birth to Kedusha, and almost like opposing magnets, that blockage that exists between the two of them is the very space that allows for each one to continue its individualized existence. It's that middle space that contains both elements at once, Bevas Achas. Now, the reason that this is difficult to understand is because it's paradoxical in the sense that it transcends or obliterates the concept of logic. That logic doesn't have room for the excluded middle. There's A and there's B, or there's not A and not B. But to say that there's A and B together, a concept that the philosophers negated from the get-go, that excluded middle that is comprised of both elements exists wherein both opposites dance together and the tension of their dance is what gives life to one another. So that Kedusha and Chol, or darkness and light, dance together on Erev Shabbos in such a way that they're both existing at once. When it comes to understanding this Nakuda, when it comes to grasping this point of essentiality wherein the darkness of the broke down week enters into the Kedusha and the light of Shabbos, we're speaking of a very exact point. And this becomes incredibly clear when we look at the Pasuk describing the transition from Chol into Shabbos. 
describing the nature of Vayichulu, describing the nature of God resting, so to speak, as Shabbos comes in, Rav Shlomo Yitzchaki, Schusi Ogenolinu, Rashi HaKadosh, whose yard site is tonight, Rabban Shokol Yisrael. Rashi points out already, based on that Pasuk, he says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or God, is not like human beings. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is capable of the impossible notion of exactitude, of grasping the exact moment wherein Chol and Shabbos kiss, and where darkness gives way to light, but darkness and light are still operating in unison together to reveal a greater Kedusha. Rashi says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not like human beings. Human beings are not able to discern the specific and exact point at which the whole gives way to Shabbos and where Shabbos overtakes the whole, and therefore human beings in their brokenness are stuck in the need to be moisif al HaKodesh, to add time onto Gedusha, to ensure that because we don't know the exact moment where the week gives birth to Shabbos, we need to preempt it. We need to create Shabbos a little bit earlier so as to ensure that we don't miss that precise point. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is capable of that exactitude, and the language of Rashi, is Kichut HaSa'ara, that hair's breadth, that almost impeccable and impossible point that is so minimal that the eye can't grasp it, that simultaneity between Kodesh and Chol, or light and darkness as it exists together in unison, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is able to grasp that point. And therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu was able to work and Kavyachol until the entrance of Shabbos at that exact moment. What Rashi introduces already at the birthplace of trying to understand Shabbos is the fact that human beings are incapable of grasping that exactitude. Human beings are incapable of grasping that nukuda hapnimis, where chol gives birth into Shabbos and Shabbos melts out of chol, where the two opposites dance together in the secret of Raza de Mehemnusa, where opposites coincide. And as a result of that impossibility, as a result of that inability of us to precisely grasp the exactitude of the moment, human beings are forced to deal with the anxiety and the function of time, which leads us to bringing in Shabbos early. But when Shabbos comes, there's a little bit of a movement away from that anxiety that is born out of our inability to grasp time in its essence. The Torah HaKadosh tells us that before the Chet of Adam HaRishon, before Adam HaRishon and Chava partook from that Ilana de Irbuvya, before they partook from that Ilana de Sveka that gives birth to the experience of Arab Shabbos, there was no Busha. There was no Busha when it came to their experience. There was no self-awareness. There was no self-reflection wherein the self questions its motives, wherein the self questions itself. As the Rambam points out, as Rav Chaim Velazhener brings from the Rambam and Nefesh Achayim, that the experience of Eitz Adas was an entrance into what we know of as modern subjects as subjectivity, the birth of subjectivity. Prior to that, there was no self-reflection and there was no embarrassment and there was no shame. 
as a result of partaking of that Ilana de Irbuvia, what we did was we fell into busha, we fell into shame. We fell into self-reflection. We fell into a process of questioning our motives, of doubting our motives, of thinking that our actions stem from our own volitional behavior as opposed to the divine influx of energy that descends from above. And therefore we became shameful. And shame, as the Ramchal points out in Adir Bamarom, is the constitutive emotional space wherein human beings experience everything. The concept of shame is what drives the entire concept of Bechira in order for us to avoid shame, which is Nehema de Kisufa, the bread of shame, which we would feel if we ate bread that wasn't earned from ourselves. And therefore, in a secondary way, Hashem has to offer us Bechira. But if it were not for shame, if shame had not entered into the world, if Busha had not entered into the world, there would be no need for this balance of darkness and light and everything would be revealed in such a way that we would live with a concept of Yidiya, of the awareness of divine presence, which is so deep that we almost wouldn't have a choice. Now, enter into Shabbos, there's a concept of returning back into Gan Eden of finally finding that entry point between the Laha Tacharev HaMesapechet, between those rotating fiery blades of the Cherub sword, where we finally enter in, where we enter into that Nahar HaYoytsemi Eden, and we crawl back into Gan Eden, if but for a moment. And when we enter into Gan Eden, that shame that human beings live with, that embarrassment and that self-consciousness and that self-awareness dissipates for a moment. As we say by L'chadodi, lo sevoi We will no longer be embarrassed. We will no longer be in shame because we now are aware of that godly light. But there's an incredible teaching from the Nitziv HaKadosh. And this is a teaching that I learned from one of my teachers, Aviva Gottlieb Zornberg, where she brings it down in one of her first books about the biblical unconscious. And she points out in the name of the Nitziv as follows, that we also find another explanation of the word busha, which we typically define as embarrassment and shame. And that's what we find by Moshe Rabbeinu. Ki Moshe Lavo. Moshe was late in his arrival. This was what preceded the hate of the Egel. Where the Jewish people were expecting Moshe Rabbeinu to come back down from Shemayim. And it turned out that Moshe and Bnei Yisrael had a difference in calculation. And Bnei Yisrael thought that Moshe Rabbeinu was delayed or late. And they thought that Moshe was gone. And therefore, they needed to, God forbid, create some new form of a Rebbe or a Tzaddik, some sort of intermediary, God forbid, which led to everything we know that it led to. So we see that the word Boshesh also implies tarrying or arriving late. Lo yisboyshashu, to not be shameful, to no longer have shame, can also be considered to no longer be cut through with that time awareness, as the Nitziv tells us. That lo yisboyshashu, that Adam and Chava were no longer shameful, also means that they didn't feel like they were late. They didn't feel like they had arrived at the place that they arrived, too late. They didn't feel like they had missed out on some opportunity that had been previously accessible to them had they not tarried, had they not been late. Human consciousness, post-lapsarian existence, after we're kicked out of the Garden of Eden, 
our entire experience is cut through with a sense of being late somewhere. We are always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Late, late for a very important date, running around, running and returning like a crazy person. That's the experience of Erev Shabbos, where the awareness of time becomes most acute. And on a certain level, what we can understand from this insight of Rashi HaKadosh is that to explain Shabbos, first we have to understand that by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, exactitude is possible. We don't have to preempt Shabbos. There's a possibility of grasping that innermost point wherein Shabbos and Chol dance together, giving birth to a light that is higher than both Shabbos and Chol. And as we enter into the world of Shabbos, we're also entering into that place of lo yisboshashu, of no longer being cut through with the anxiety of being late, but rather we are capable of being present in the moment without rushing and without running around. Rashi adds, and the second comment of Rashi is going to be the, prefi- the, the groundwork of what we're going to be discussing t- in tonight's shir, is that... Chazal tell us in Mesechas Beitza and Mesechas Tainis, they speak of the nature of the Neshama Yaseira. That comes Shabbos, comes an added ability, an added insight within the Jewish soul that gives it the capacity to learn more, to pray more, to study more, to have more faith, to experience more than what we are actually capable of. During the six days of the week, we have who we are and we are built the way we are built with our resources and our failures and our lack and our gains. What we are is what we are and we are incapable of changing. But come Shabbos, there's a certain element of more, of ode, of moreness that emerges either from within the individual themselves or from above the individual themselves, however we want to understand the entrance of that extra soul, that gives us the ability to experience more life, to join and lean into the midst of life slightly more, to experience more than we are actually capable of experiencing. That is the idea of the Nisham Yaseira. And this, according to Rashi and Beitza, is true both on the physical level as well as the spiritual level. Now, Chazal want to understand, how is it that we know that we gain this extra soul? Where is this idea of a Nisham Yaseira come from? And Chazal, in a way that only Chazal are capable of explaining, say as follows. And this is a teaching in the name of Reish Lakish, Rav Shimon ben Lakish. And that's going to be important as we understand the nature of this teaching, which is going to be deeply connected to the personality of Reish Lakish, as we're going to see. The Pasuk says, Shabbos Vayinafash, that when Shabbos came, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was able to rest. Kav Yachal HaKadosh Baruch Hu was finally able to exhale. The entire six days of creation was an inhalation for the purpose of creating and building and engaging in the process of the Lamed Tesmalachos, which are all dependent and constituted by the sense of lack that we experience both on a spiritual and physical level. But come Shabbos, Vayinafash, there's a rest, there's an exhalation, there's the ability to simply rest and be present. Now, Chazal tell us in the name of Reish Lakish that it's this Pasuk, Shabbos Vayinafash, that lets us in on the secret of the extra shol on Shabbos. How is it that when you look at the word Vayinafash, which on a pshat level means, and he rested, 
there's another way of misreading the word that as Chazal HaKadoshim teach us, it's not simply enough to read the Torah as it's written, but we have to misread the Torah as well. We have to take the words and the building blocks that the Torah has set up for us, and we have to break them apart like Moshe Rabbeinu shattered the Luchas Harishonos to give birth to the nature of Torah Shabal Peh, which is the possibility of human interpretation of the Torah. And not only human interpretation of the Torah, but human interpretation that defines the nature of the Torah. That sometimes in order to understand, we have to break a word apart, we have to shatter it into a million little pieces so that we can then pick up those pieces to configure new configurations or in the language of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh to make tzirufim chadashim, new permutations of those words. And there's a breaking that allows for a building. There's a deconstruction of that which was constructed for the sake of constructing something even bigger. And so Chazal tells us, Rosh Lakish tells us that don't read the word Vayinafash as a word that implies the rest of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Read the word Vayinafash as two separate words. Vay nefesh, woe to my soul, woe is me, a sigh, that descriptive sound that cannot be described, that describes all of the burden of the weak, that oy vay, that feeling of, oy, I can't move forward unless this finally arrives. That feeling of awareness of burden that is finally relieved. That sound that comes out of the individual's heart and mind when we put down the baggage of a thousand pounds that we have been walking around with during the mundane week. Vai of the nefesh, woe is my soul. And Chazal say in the name of Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish teaches us, that vai of danefesh, kevan shabbos, once Shabbos comes, the individual soul is filled with a certain form of despondency, a certain form of anticipatory sadness, anticipatory anxiety over the eventual absence of Shabbos. That when Shabbos enters, what the soul begins to feel is the eventual absence of Shabbos. And as a result of the soul engaging in that confrontation with, on the one hand, tasting Shabbos, yet on the other hand, knowing that Shabbos is eventually going to leave, that gives birth to a mournful sigh or an anticipatory form of mourning that says, Vai of the nefesh, woe to me that I will eventually lose this feeling of Shabbos. And Reish Lakish teaches us that by dint of the fact that we will mourn the absence of Shabbos on Motzei Shabbos, we know that Shabbos, when it enters, we experience a newfound soulful experience. I'm not sure if there's any teaching that is more Jewish at its core than this. How do we know that we experience an added additional level of the soul on Shabbos? We know it by the fact that on Motzei Shabbos, we will mourn its departure. And in a form of anticipatory mourning, already on Erev Shabbos, we're mourning the loss of something that we don't even have yet. This anticipatory mourning, this experience of knowing that Shabbos will come, 
but mourning at the same moment about the departure or the eventual departure of Shabbos, that gives us the proof that we need that Shabbos gives us a new and an additional level of vitality and soulful presence. What I want to try and explain tonight is, is, a, is a profound idea, but it's based on singular sources. And Kedarchenu Bakoidesh, most of what we're going to be learning is going to be from the teachings of Rabbi Nachman ben Fega, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, through the different Talmidim and the Tzadike HaAmitim in our generation. What Rabbi Nachman describes is as follows. And this is going to be found in the 31st teaching in Lukute Maharan. He asks the simple question of, why is it that at the entrance of Shabbos, we begin to mourn Shabbos already? Shouldn't that be done on Motzei Shabbos? This is a question that's already asked by the Baal Shem Tav HaKadosh, brought down in numerous places in Parshas Kisavo and Kiseitse, in the Baal Shem Tov It's brought down in Zichra and Zeis from the Choyze Milablin. Rav Tzadok HaKoyin brings it down. The simple question of, isn't it more understandable to mourn the departure of Shabbos after Shabbos leaves? Why is it that the mournful awareness of Shabbos's eventual departure has to take place specifically on Erev Shabbos? And answering this question, Rabbi Nachman comes to change our awareness, to shift our consciousness as to what exactly this nature of longing is. Because according to Rashi and according to the teaching of Reish Lakish, on Erev Shabbos, there's a certain mournful awareness that Shabbos will not last forever. That as we enter into this place where reality and our lives and our individual lives and all of the difficult things that we go through will be relieved for a 36-hour period, for Shabbos HaKodesh, for the light of Shabbos, there's a feeling of this won't last forever. And when a person becomes aware of that fact, when a person becomes aware of the fact that the good things that we yearn for or the light that we yearn for is not going to last forever, there's a frightening feeling. There's a feeling of I yearn so deeply for something Yet at the same point, I am aware of the sheer transience of that thing that I yearn for. This thing called Shabbos, which gives me life during the week because I'm able to yearn towards it, comes out of Shabbos, I become acutely aware of the fact that, who am I kidding? It's not going to last forever. These feelings that I'm going to have on Shabbos, this menucha sanefesh that I'm going to have on Shabbos, this yishav hadas that I'm going to have on Shabbos, the release from my anxiety that I'm going to have on Shabbos, the ability to sit and on Shabbos, it's not going to last forever. It's going to depart just as quickly as it came. And the anxious soul and the Jewish soul very rightfully asks, what is the purpose of all of this? How could I enter into Shabbos with joy if I know that Shabbos is eventually going to depart and not last? It's not going to be here forever. But Zakhtar Rabbi Nachman, what Rabbi Nachman teaches us is that that longing, that mournful awareness of Shabbos' eventual departure is not 
a longing that is symptomatic of the fact that Shabbos will depart, but rather the longing itself that is born out of the awareness of transience is what gives us Shabbos. Meaning to say that you want to know why Chazal tell us that you want to know where we get the Neshami Yaseira from, we get it from the fact that we will eventually mourn it. It's not that when we experience Shabbos, we should always keep in mind that Shabbos will depart, but rather the absolute awareness of Shabbos's eventual departure, that awareness acute, acutely of the transience of Shabbos is the very thing that gives us the koyach to draw Shabbos down. Because when a person becomes aware that what we want so badly won't last forever, and a person is capable of pushing through the anxiety and the sadness over the fact that it won't last, what we begin to encounter is an urgency of sorts, an exigency of the moment, which translates into the soul as follows. Shabbos won't last forever. This moment won't last forever. This Yishav Hadas, this Nekudah HaEmtsai, this Menucha V'Simcha won't last forever. It's transient. And therefore, I need to grab hold of it with all of the strength and all of the might that every element of my soul and my body can possibly muster. It's not a sadness or a despondency in the face that Shabbos will eventually leave. The nature that Shabbos will eventually leave gives birth to an urgency to grab hold of each and every moment of Shabbos, to throw ourselves unabashedly with self-abandonment into Shabbos. That self-abandonment, that urgency is only born out of the fact that Shabbos won't last forever. When a person longs for something, when a person yearns for something, when the soul wants something so badly, and at the same moment, we are acutely aware of the fact that what we want so badly will not answer all of our questions, it will not be there forever, there are two paths in front of a person. On the one hand, a person can become despondent and say Shabbos is not worth it, chas v'shalom, because it's not going to last forever. And that vai avda nefesh is symptomatic of a despondency or a depression, chas v'shalom, over the transiency of Shabbos. Or as Rabbi Nachman and our tzaddikim teach us, when we become aware of the transient nature of Shabbos, which is really symptomatic of the transient nature of all things, we can enter into the Koyach of Shabbos with a newfound strength and newfound courage. That yes, I'm aware that Shabbos is not going to last forever. And because it's not going to last forever, I need to grab hold of every element of Shabbos possible. I need to take Shabbos for everything it can possibly offer. And in order to awaken that ferocity of the spirit, in order to awaken those shalhuvin derechimu, those flames of intensity and intensification where the soul becomes more than it actually is, we need to be aware that the things we hope for are transient. Because when we become aware that they're transient, we rush forward with even more self-abandonment to grab hold of even one moment of it. That's the nakuda of vai avda nefesh. You want to understand where the power of Shabbos comes from? It comes from the fact that we're eventually going to lose it. 
and the awareness of the fact that we will eventually lose it, a vay of the nefesh, forces us to grab hold of every element of Shabbos with more strength and more awareness that this moment is all we are going to have. Rabbi Nachman writes as follows. This is in Torah Lamed Aleph in Ois Tes. Rabbi Nachman says as follows. The Iker Hisavus Hanefesh Hu Ayedei HaHishtoikikus VaHakisufin Shal Is Yisrael Acher Hashem Yisbarach that the fundamental formation and manifestation of the spirit of the individual is through their yearning for God. Now, typically we assume that the soul is a pre-existing element that yearns for something that it wants. But what Rabbi Nachman is telling us is that that's not true. The soul becomes what it is through the yearning itself. That yearning is not something that the soul does as a symptom of lacking something, but rather the lack that gives birth to hishtoikikus and kisufin and longing is the very formation of the soul itself. Kol echad madregoso. Each and every person according to their own individualized level. Shehu each person, according to the level in which they experience that yearning and that desire to ascend to a level above them. This yearning that is born out of transience is what gives birth to the soul itself. Like the Pasuk says, that my soul yearns and it expires in its yearning. Hainu, and Rabbi Nachman here is making a radical rereading of this Pasuk. Rabbi Nachman, who gives us a path in all of these psukim. It's not that my soul is some pre-existing form that yearns for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but rather the fact that I yearn after HaKadosh Baruch Hu is what gives birth to my soul. It's what gives me the Neshama Yaseira. And this is what Chazal tell us in Meseches Beitza Daf Tes Zayin Amar Aleph, Vayinafash, and the seventh day arrived and he rested. Kevan Shabbos, when Shabbos comes, Vay Avde Nefesh, the person begins to mourn over the loss of their eventual spirit. Haynu Shabbatchilas Hashabbos. At the entrance of Shabbos, on Shabbos itself, at that moment where Erev Shabbos gives birth to Shabbos, and Shabbos is yoinik, its strength from Erev Shabbos. When it comes time where we need to receive that extra soul. We remember the very potent fact that eventually we will leave that extra spirit. The Oimrim, and we say, Vayinofash, Vay of the Nefesh, woe to me that I will eventually lose this spirit. And at that moment, we begin to yearn after it because when we're aware of the transient nature of it, that at, at that moment, we yearn after it even more. Specifically, and through that anticipatory mourning over the eventual departure of that soul, that we yearn and we long and we anticipate that nefesh yisera. This in and of itself is what gives birth to the nefesh yisera. That the longing that is born out of the awareness of transiency is what gives birth to our ability to have something in the moment. 
transiency, the transient nature of things, the fact that things fall apart and that the center cannot hold and what we yearn for will not be the final solution to what we desire. It will not be the final answer to what we desire. At that moment, the despondency of the spirit has two choices in front of itself. It can either lose hope and become despondent or it can strengthen itself and rejuvenate itself and intensify itself and manifest itself with untold strengths to grab hold of that moment itself. When we're aware that the moment ends, the moment ends, we throw ourselves even more deeply into the moment itself to the point that we could unabashedly say, Hineni, I am here right now. The awareness of Shabbos's eventual departure is what gives birth to the experience of Shabbos. Or as the Sfasemes tells us, the awareness of what we will feel during the week, that sense of lostness, that sense of wandering, that sense of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, as having lost something essential in our lives, is what allows us to grab hold of the taste of Shabbos, which allows us for but a moment to feel as if everything is beseder, as if everything is okay. This comes back to the Pasuk that we brought from Shirashiram last week in discussing the kavanos of Ritzicha of before Shabbos, of cleansing ourselves before Shabbos. Sameni kechoisem alibecha, kechoitem alzarecha, let me be a seal upon your heart like the seal upon your hand. Ki ahava, for love is as strong as death. One of the ways of interpreting the concept of ahava, of love being as strong as death, is that a person is only capable of expressing the burning desire of love towards another when they are equally aware of the vulnerability and the transiency of love. If love is something that is based on the perpetual belief that this love will last forever, then that is not real love. True love, ahava of kechlois hanefesh, of ahava azekamaves, of love that is as strong as death, is born out of, the, out of the awareness of transiency. When we encounter that very painful, human, vulnerable experience, that what we love might not last forever, that what we desire so deeply might not be the answer to all of our problems, at that moment of the acute awareness of the eventual death of things, of maves, at that moment we're able to throw ourselves into the true and unadulterated abandonment of love, of ahava azaka maves. Only when I become aware of the transiency of things, of the, fa of the fact that things will eventually end, Am I able to truly grab hold of the moment itself in a way where I want this moment to last forever? That shamar zos la'ad, like we say in Uval that tefillah to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that Hashem, keep this moment forever. Let this moment last forever. Even though the moment ends, the moment ends, let me hold on to this moment. And it's specifically the fact that the moment will end, which gives birth to my grasp of that moment. This is one of the reason that the Minhag HaKadosh of Bnei Yisrael is to read Shir HaShirim on Erev Shabbos. Shir HaShirim is a failed love story. It's the story of yearning and a desire that is never fully consummated to the point that although the confusion of Shir Hashirim 
very often gives birth to the question of who speaks to whom. It's no longer clear who is speaking to whom at every moment. But nevertheless, what is abundantly clear out of that Kodesh HaKadoshim of Shir Hashirim is the fact that there is a yearning and unadulterated desire for consummation, which keeps being arrested, which is never fully consummated. There's a yearning and a desire that lives in the shadow of the fact that that yearning and that desire will never fully reach its culmination or its point of yichud. And in spite of seeing it as a failed love tale, it is a tale that awakens the flames of love as a result of the desire for that union that rests right outside of the horizon of possibility. That in Shir Hashirim, there's always an awareness of I am getting up to open the door, but at the moment that I open the door, Doidi has already left, my beloved has already left. There is a yearning and there is a desire that perpetuates itself in the shadow of transiency, in the shadow of failure. And as Rabbi Akiva tells us that all of the shirim in the Torah are kadosh, but shir hashirim is kodesh hakadoshim. And one way of possibly understanding this, lefianias daiti, is that just as the kodesh hakadoshim is inaccessible, so too shir hashirim displays the true nature of love, which is that it is inaccessible. And it's only in our awareness of the inaccessibility of that true union that we begin to enter into that space of Shabbos, where we throw ourselves even further into that yearning and that desire and those burning flames of truly desiring Shabbos with all that we have, because we are aware that it's not going to last forever. What we started off with was the teaching of Reish Lakish, who taught us to read the word vayinafesh as vay avdanefesh, that the yearning and the desire for something, even in the face of its eventual departure, in the face of its transiency, is what gives birth to Shabbos itself. And it's specifically, it's specifically Reish Lakish, the Balchuva, that criminal, that fallen soul, that broken soul, who comes out of Tumah, who comes out of brokenness into Kedusha. How he came into Kedusha, we don't know. Nobody will ever know what Rav Yochanan whispered to Reish Lakish in that river. But what we do know is that Reish Lakish's life was transformed. And Reish Lakish teaches us as a result of that transformation of his spirit that Habo Letaher Messianoso, that someone who comes to purify themselves, heaven gives them help. How, we don't know. Why, we don't know. All we know is that if the human being places their desire and their effort into something, their yearning into something, somehow, some way, that yearning and that desire gives birth to the thing that we actually desire. So when we finally come to the culmination of, Shab- of Erev Shabbos, that liminal space that is both Shabbos and not Shabbos, that Chut HaSa'ara that Rashi describes, that exactitude where, where the whole gives birth to Kodesh, where darkness gives birth to light, the job of the Jewish individual is a yearning desire and a longing that is deeply aware of the eventual transience of things, that is deeply aware of the fact that it will eventually be lost. But instead of giving way to that despair that is born in the face of transiency, we throw ourselves even deeper into the desire and the longing to have what is offered to us in that very moment. Or like we say by Yedid Nefesh, 
Nafshi I'm sick. I'm sick to the core. I'm sick. I'm broken. I'm despondent because everything is transient. But it's an ahava. It's a love sickness. It's a sickness that is born out of my desire to have which, that which is not available to me. And out of desiring that which is not available, we somehow, some way touch that which is unavailable. Rabbi Nachman takes this teaching, and with this we're going to end, and he applies it in another place. He applies it to the teachings of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the tzaddik. Because the Zohar HaKadosh tells us that the tzaddik is also the Bechina of Shabbos. The tzaddik is a person who lives in the world of Shabbos, in the light of Shabbos, animating the weekday with Shabbos, animating Shabbos with the light of the weekday. And Rabbi Nachman points out something very important in the narrative framework of the Zohar HaKadosh. He says, whenever you see the Chavraya getting ready to receive secrets of Torah from Rishimun Bar Yochai, the Chavraya begin to mourn and sigh and say, Vai lahai dara de istalik Rabbi Shimon. Woe to the generation where Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai dies. Woe to the generation where the tzaddik departs. Woe to the generation where the light is no longer present. And Rabbi Nachman asks a simple question. He's still there. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is right there in front of your eyes. Why are you mourning him? Why are you already anticipating the departure of the Sadiq if he's right in front of you? And Rabbi Nachman says, very similar to what he teaches in Torah Lamed Aleph, that the awareness of the transiency of the Sadiq, the awareness of the transiency of that light of Shabbos as it enters into our life, gives birth to a deep burning desire, a burning desire that yearns for one thing and one thing only, to connect to that which will eventually depart because it is the very nature of our awareness of its eventual departure, which gives us the ability to grab it in the present moment. And when the Chavraya truly wanted to love Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, they conjured up in their mind the awareness of his departure so that they could throw themselves fully into that present moment. Ezra Hashem, next week we're going to enter into Shabbos through the gate of Erev Shabbos through the Nekuda of this yearning desire, this burning yearning that is born out of the transiency of Shabbos that gives birth and allows us to find ourselves already in Shabbos, that we yearn so much to the point that we open our eyes and we say, wow, we've already arrived to where we've wanted to be. We're going to speak about the nature of Friday night, that moment when the world elevates, not on an external level, but on an internal level, and we're going to speak Bezras Hashem about how it is that the Nakuda of Friday night of Leil Shabbos is the Nakuda where somehow, some way, this world and all of its brokenness is revealed to be even higher than the higher realms and all of their rectification. In the Bechina of Oilem Hafuch Raisi, I have seen an upside down world where the low is higher and the higher is lower. And Ba'ezus Hashem, we should be zeichet together to enter into the Leil Shabbos HaKadosh and to try and walk with the words of our tzaddikim, both living and dead, into the space of Shabbos. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. 
For more from the Chef of Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 